I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, a Fenway home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of a Red Sox nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. I fake a smile, no. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bats podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. And tonight for episode 101, we will cover the uh, Baseball Writer Awards of America, (laughs) if I got that right. Basically, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Manager of the Year, Cy Young, all that we will be uh, discussing. For those of you staying up late on uh, Periscope tonight, the podcast could be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, Player FM, Stitcher. And for those of you who do listen on iTunes, if you want to help this uh, podcast grow and uh play a part in that if you could give us a rating preferably five stars and write a review nothing else uh, you do uh, could help us more immensely so we would definitely appreciate that i am terry cushman and i am joined as always by jeremy schilling and liz churchville how are you no complaints yet Amazing. 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 All right. Well, what, Liz, 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 settle down. Come on. Don't have so much enthusiasm right off the jump, please. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've missed you guys. <laughs> yeah. You go on vacation like every other week, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, anniversary, girls weekend. I got things. I'm sorry, but feels good to be back. Yeah. Well, your life's more exciting than uh, mine and probably a lot of other people's, so. Um, so kind of an interesting week, you know, every year we kind of look forward to this, um, you know, once the season ends and hopefully the Red Sox, uh, players are in contention for one of the awards, maybe the manager as well. So, uh, they certainly were this year. We had some finalists and, uh, we will, uh, get right into that, And we will start with Manager of the Year. And uh, I think we all kind of had a a candidate in mind. Uh, Alex Cora, of course, uh, was a finalist, 108 wins. Bob Melvin, you know, dramatic turnaround with the Oakland A's and uh, got into the wild card with 97 wins. And then, of course, Kevin Cash just completely rewriting the uh, script for managing uh, outside the box using analytics and coming up with some new concepts. He got the race to 90 wins. They didn't make the playoffs, but it was uh, 
an interesting journey. So uh, let's start off with this question because our audience is mostly Red Sox. Jeremy, was Alex Cora robbed of Manager of the Year as a lot of Red Sox fans are suggesting and protesting? Yeah, uh, no, he wasn't. So, and I'm going to elaborate on that, but just as a caveat, okay? I literally could care less about these personal awards. Um, And that goes for all four sports that I follow, the four major North American sports. I don't care about the personal awards. Um, I pay very little attention to them. um, But for the fact that we're doing this podcast, um, do I have some thoughts? Yes, I'm going to share them. And as as I usually am, I'll I'll probably be fairly opinionated on it. Um, But do I care that Alex Cora lost? No. Who gives a shit? He won the World Series. And I would just say to Red Sox fans that are spending any time being upset about it, like, um, it it doesn't it it these awards don't do anything but make these players and coaches more valuable at contracts time and you know we're going to talk about bets winning the AL MVP. My opinion on that is going to be it's going to cost the Red Sox more now. So uh, getting specifically to your question, uh, Terry, I do not think he was robbed. I think it's hard to give the number one or number two payroll in baseball. Uh, the third time in a row they've won the American League East, and I know it's his first year, but it's not like he inherited a tough situation. Um, there are, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I definitely think he's one of the top three managers. I would have it Melvin Cash or Cash Melvin then Cora. Um, I I think Cora is a good manager. I think uh, he's potentially going to become if he if he isn't already a, an elite manager. But he was given a two hundred million dollar payroll and a team that's already finished first, you know, in first place twice. And you know, it, it just doesn't seem to me that, at least in the regular season, which is what this award is, um, he had the biggest effect on his team. Now, is there an argument? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, he he took a roster and he won the most games in major league baseball the most games in the history of the boston red sox and do i think he did a great job managing the boston red sox there's no question i think anyone that could would say otherwise is just looking for a a twitter argument but i do think melvin and cash meant more to their respective clubs than cora meant to the red sox for the regular season I think there's a, there's a disconnect between some people. Like some some fans are just so fair weather they don't even understand that the voting ends before the playoffs even start. So some of your more casual fans are trying to factor in the playoffs to all of this. And then another dynamic here is you have you have some fans who really believe that you know the manager who went all the way, which in this case was Cora should win it automatically and that's what this award award is about and then you have the smarter half you know of the mlb fan base that knows that this award is more about a manager who does more with less talent and and that's ultimately what it uh comes down to uh so how how i would only i would alter that slightly and i would just say which which manager had the larger effect 
on his club's success. And that's it. And, and, and you may say, well, geez, Jeremy, that's a, uh, you know, that's a difference without a distinction there, bud. Well, tell me what would be the, th- the three of the more likely scenarios. The Red Sox finish in first place. Okay. Add a hundred win games that Tampa Bay, the goddamn devil rays win 90 games and are, and are starting and are starting their, their, you know, third best reliever to start games so that they're, you know, this whole new, uh, we talked about Alex core in the playoffs going with the Rover. Um, at, you know, Kevin Cash is is rewriting the script on getting his starters deep into games by having a reliever start the game. And then Bob Bob Melvin out of the goddamn clouds with Oakland in um in a division that he had no basis being that good at. And just to me it seems pretty clear cut. And I understand every like local guys and, and girls and, and sports fans want their local respective manager star player, pitcher, whatever, to win the award. Again, I don't care, and that might be one of the reasons why I'm kind of unbiased in this argument, when typically I could be pretty biased. Uh, you know. But let me transition into to Liz, because Liz is a fan of the third-place finisher. <laughs> Kevin oh, well, no, 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 not exactly. I'm a fan of the team. I actually i am not a fan of Cash at all. I do not like him. What? I hated, I hated, I, dude. I mean, think about think about the last three seasons. It was horrible. It was painful. It was painful to watch. It was painful. I actually got to be in the press box two seasons ago, and it was painful to see the decline of the team and the de- decline of the energy in that in that clubhouse over time. Like just to see what Kevin Cash did and uh, just made me hate him and resent him. Which it actually kind of pushed me away from the team. I'm I'm. Sorry to say that, it, but it really, really did. That on top of a horrible experience with the people that got me in that press box. But this year, he he redeemed himself. I feel like he got robbed because it's like you were saying. You said basically everything that I kind of wanted to say, but I like that it came from a Red Sox fan. I like that you pointed out that is it really that hard to win with, I believe, the biggest payroll in baseball this year? I mean, I know Cora came in and, and he, he did his thing. I mean, he did what Farrell couldn't do with those players outside of uh, J.D. Martinez. But, uh, but, I mean, Cash really did some very interesting, risky things. Did he have many options after the front office traded away most of his team and every player that everybody knew by name, except for maybe uh, Malik Smith stuck around, obviously. Maybe people knew Blake Snell, but I'm not really sure. And Kevin Kiermeyer. But everybody else is gone. All of our pitchers are gone. Uh, you know, Longo got traded away. Every Everybody's gone. And he took that, got 90 wins, and uh, just just really did some amazing things. I, I wouldn't be surprised, just like what happened when Joe Madden started doing some different things, and then other teams started to kind of follow suit and, you know, try some of the crazy outlandish things Madden was doing. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw that a little bit more. Maybe not next year but solidly emerging in other teams. And uh, he really impressed me. Like, uh, I don't I don't know that I like him just yet. We'll see, we'll see how it goes, but I certainly have a lot of respect for him, you know, now. Maybe he just needed time to settle in, I don't know, but 
but a fan of him, I am not a fan of the team. I am, and I and I do feel I do feel like he got robbed of this just based on that. I feel like he had the greatest impact on his team. They had the smallest payroll. Most of most of the year, his whole infield was rookies. For God's sake, I mean nobody nobody was doing what he did with the talent. I mean he had talent clearly, but just not talent on paper to look at. You'd be like, who am I watching playing? I'm watching a Triple A team here, like pretty much Triple A team and and Kiermaier. That's it. And uh, and Cash really he he delivered. He delivered when when. Nobody thought he could, including myself. So I have to be impressed with that. And even though the awards mean nothing, just like you said, all it means, like Blake Snell winning the Cy Young basically means we're going to have him another year and trade him away or he's going to go into free agency <laughs> and probably end up on the Red Sox or the Yankees. Uh, you know, uh, they they mean nothing. But uh, but it's nice to get a little bit of credit every now and then in a small market team that uh, everybody thinks is a piece of shit for for lack of a better Kevin Cash is a manager. Well, they are a piece of shit. But uh, <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, Terry, do you want to go first? Because I have some comments to piggyback off Liz, but I'll wait for you. Uh, Kevin Cash is a manager who will uh, one day be a manager of a big market team and have a pass similar to uh, Joe Madden. And let's just look at the totality of the talent that was taken away from him. Uh, last offseason, uh, before you know things got started, he lost Brad Boxberger, one of the better relievers, late-inning relievers in the game. He lost his franchise player, Justin Longoria, who was still a very serviceable third baseman. He lost Evan, but that's okay. Steve Souza. <laughs> Evan Longoria, but that's okay. Oh, did I say Justin? <laughs> I think so, you did. But yeah, okay. I probably did. Okay. I, Who cares? He's a giant. I, I'm capable of anything. <laughs> um, Steve Souza, you know, a, a 3100 uh, guy. Uh, Corey Dick Dickinson, his, you know, who was their lone All Star uh, the season before. Lost all of them in the off season. Then in season, he lost Alex Colomay. Denard Spann, Brad Miller, Wilson Ramos, uh, Matt Andres, Nathan Avaldi, Chris Archer, wins 90. Take all that away from him, he wins 90. <laughs> so he's the manager of the year, in my opinion, and they came up with some really new concepts that even Bob Melvin was adopting You know, into that one-game wild card, whether it was smart or not on his part to do it with the A's, but you you saw a lot of stuff, you know, get basically get tried out in other markets thanks to uh, the stuff that Kevin Cash basically pioneered. Milwaukee was another team that uh, had a little bit of success, you know, just they, they would use starters uh, to start the game, but sometimes for only two or three innings before going to a bullpen. And um, I just think... I just think Kevin Cash is just kind of kind of rewrote the uh, script, at least for smaller markets that aren't gonna, you know, wheel and deal on this huge market. You know, you're, they're never gonna be in the Harper sweepstakes or the Machado sweepstakes. So you're gonna see a lot of this, and I. I thought Cash should have won it, and then 
Council, maybe, you know, I, but then the more I looked at Snicker as I was doing my notes, I, I could kind of see why, why he won it. But part of me wonders if MLB might have snubbed Kevin Cash and Craig Council because maybe they're not, maybe they're not too keen on this new analytics opener bullpen style of uh, baseball games. And maybe, Maybe MLB favors those those bigger markets who who are going to spend and and ultimately you know that's best for the players it's best for the union so I, that could be far fetched but I just thought the the two creative geniuses got got snubbed here and um, those are my thoughts but Cash uh, I, I felt should have won it for sure so just to. Ch- touch briefly on the people that vote on these awards in the hall of fame generally is they're just old farts and they're like refuse to adapt and adjust to the game and like they still want the game to be the same way it was 20 years ago and it's infuriating and you know it's just amazing to me that with all the evolutions that baseball has made over the last hundred years that for whatever reason the generation behind us like pretends that they're the like baseball went into their generation and should come out the exact same it just baffles me that's a topic for a different podcast maybe in a slow week and you know in january or whatever but that that that's part of the problem um it, i i also think you know to be honest terry i think that's a little far-fetched but um and you know how much i hate this terry <laughs> okay. uh i agree with you i agree with liz Kevin Cash to me is the manager of the year. He did the most with the least. Um, Tampa sold at the deadline. Uh, they won 90 games in a division where the Boston Red Sox won 108. The Yankees won 100. To me, you know, and then to be, to have the creative mind in baseball, it's difficult because the game's been played for so long. Everything's been done. And then he goes out and says, you know what? I'm going to start a reliever to get my to get my starters into the into the seventh inning. And he did it because, you know, like you said, Archer and some of these other starting pitchers not named Snell were traded away or, or hurt or whatever the situation was. So he said, you know, what's my biggest weakness and how can I support that weakness the best way I know how? To, to to minimize its effect on the wins and losses. And he said, well, let's let's go out and throw let's go out and throw us a reliever first. See if we can't get a lead. And he goes and wins 90 games with just just a shitty stadium with a shitty well, roster. Stadium has uh, nothing to do with it. With with a with a shitty mascot. Um, so look the de- the devil rays which i will always call them the uh, devil rays with all due respect everything Liz. I love. Mm-hmm. um you know look and i and i i think frankly speaking I'll, and i'm going to defer to liz here in a second after i just have a few comments on the national league we all agree so um you know after liz i say we move on to the next topic but just briefly um and and this is in the vein of like i don't care about these awards like to me the manager of the Braves, the manager of the Brewers, and the manager, Bud Black, of the Colorado Rockies. To me, they're all the same. To me, they all did um, more than they were supposed to. Atlanta arrived two to three uh, years earlier than it looked like they were going to. 
Um, Milwaukee has a ton of talent, right? And they had a, they had, they had, they had probably the best bullpen, or certainly an elite bullpen. Um, and Atlanta wound up having Acuna. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman wound up being, I think, fourth in the NL MVP. Um, you know, they had a ton of talent. And so to me, the NL was just less, it was more muddled up. Um, and I felt like any three of these guys could win it. And I don't have an issue with, with um, you know, with Snitker winning it. Um, just because I thought at the end of the day, they we walked into the year thinking Atlanta wasn't gonna, even close. And, that you know, they wound up going ahead and doing what they did. So I, I don't have an issue with the NL. I thought it could go to any three of those guys. But in the AL, I do think, for the reasons we've discussed, it to me... It was clear-cut cash, then Melvin, then Cora. And the fact, um, I think we should start drug testing whoever voted for Aaron Boone. That's just my final thought. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I... Or oh, go sorry. ahead. No, you go, Liz. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, no, I, I have to agree. I mean, the only reason a snicker, you know, got it is just because the Braves sucked for so long. And I feel like they were almost subscribing to the Cubs-Astros model. And it just didn't, like Jeremy said, it just didn't take them as long for whatever reason. They didn't have to suck for as many years, although they certainly weren't the Braves of yesteryear uh, and haven't been for a long time and still aren't. But uh, but the, the Brewers, even if they haven't like been that great, they haven't been that horrible either. And the Rockies seem to have been rocking, have been rocking, have been going back and forth and being real streaky. Like, you'll see, like, oh, my God, the Rockies are on a 10-game win streak or whatever, and then all of a sudden they lose five or something like that. They've been real streaky, and they, they just found a nice, steady pace, I guess. But their division is is weak, I mean, aside from the Dodgers. So, I mean, it's not really hard for them to get 90 wins, I, I don't feel. Uh, granted, I, I know they play a ton of other teams, but, I mean, the majority of the teams are within their division. So I don't feel like that was as difficult as it was, you know, for for. For our division, I mean, our division is insane, um, you know, pretty much every single year. But, um, hey, but, Liz, yep. Would you agree with me that, generally speaking, that that attempted pun with the Rockies really rocking was a bit much? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even mean to. Say, I didn't even. I meant to say. Streaky, I'm like, geez, geez, Liz. What's sorry. Pun. Come on now. Uh, sorry about that. I apologize for the horrible fun. They've been streaky, very streaky, and I mean, they they just showed they just showed every weakness that just wasn't exposed in their division in the playoffs, you know. And the Brewers just came in and worked them over and did what they do. They're a gritty team, you know. They play in a difficult division. They play against the Cubs and the Cardinals all the time, and the Pirates when the Pirates decide to actually be good, which this year they were not. But um. But I mean, they they definitely you know showed their weakness. You know, they 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 for some reason just cannot pull it together, and I don't know why. With Arenado story and Blackman, uh, you know, at at the plate, I mean, they they should at least be able to do something. But but they just kind of folded. But uh, as previously discussed, the playoffs have nothing to do with manager of the year. So with the Braves, though, who would you guys say? And this is really interesting, actually. Who would you guys say is the leader of that clubhouse? Because there is a clear-cut leader there. If you guys Freddie know. Freddie Freeman? 
I mean, Freddie Freeman's the only one I could. Th- he's been yeah, around for a long time. That's uh, the thing that everybody says. Everybody assumes it's Freeman, but it's really Nick Markakis. And Freeman himself will will say he's more that Freeman himself is more of a, a passive guy. And it's Nick Markakis getting you know getting into the faces of all the young players and keeping them in line. And um, really interesting, uh, not this past season but the 2017 season I think Snitker I think that was the season where he was like the interim manager to start with they got rid of Freddie Gonzalez and he kind of blew a game he made a bad call or whatever and John Hart was still the GM of that team and um, Hart storms into Snitker's office and just berates him over whatever the mistake was and then Hart leaves his office and then Nick Markakis cuts him off and says, if you ever talk to my manager like that again, I'm going to knock you out. And (laughs) Hart was actually fired at the end of that season or he stepped down. I can't remember which, but he was definitely gone. And then Snitker was named the full-time manager. So kind of interesting behind the scenes stuff with uh, that Atlanta team. I totally forgot Marcakis was even with them, but uh, yeah. he's definitely the the senior, you know, that there. And it's interesting that uh, he's been with them for a couple years now, hasn't he? he uh, was, yeah, a he while was, actually. Uh, his four year contract years. just ended up. So, yeah. Actually, yeah. Terry, I'd, that'd be someone we could talk about in our uh, ongoing series uh, of the um, pending free agents. Yeah, I, I don't. I, look, I, to be honest with you, um, I do focus on all four major North American sports leagues. And so I don't have the pulse of every clubhouse. I'll just admit, admit that right now. Um, I did overlook Markakis. I've heard the story that Terry is referencing. Um, Markakis was spoke, spoken of extremely highly in Baltimore. And I know that they have some remorse about their failure to re-sign him back in, I think it was 2015. Um, he's been a really good player. Um, in Major League Baseball for a really, really long time. Um, and I think it, it, it go with Acuna. Um, Albies. Albies, Freeman. They, they've had a, they had a ton of talent. They just arrived early. Um, but again, with the NL, to me, I, you know, and, I, and, and one of my themes here as we move on to the players um, is when I, and I roughed out like the top three in each award, to me, it just shows you that the American League is so far and away the superior conference that it's not even close. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, and, and I think it's highlighted by the managers as well. Like, we have a, a real serious debate over the AL managers, and we're all, you know, AL fans or teams of AL fan, uh, um, fans of teams in the American League. But the NL is just by by far and away, in my opinion, in 2018 at least, the 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 lesser of the divisions. And as we go through these awards and talk about and argue about who should or shouldn't have won, it, you're, I I think the theme at the end of this uh, for our listeners is going to be, oh wow, I mean the American League was so much better. Uh, so you know that's 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 where I'm at with it. The NL seems like it could have been any one of those three guys. To me. And it's crazy as we all have the third place team, even though Liz is the only one that would have any bias towards that decision. So, you know, it's interesting. 
Yeah, and uh, so we will uh, move on to the next uh, category or award, and that will be Rookie of the Year. May as well start with the American League, and uh, that came down to Shohai Otani and Miguel Andujar. And uh, actually, we'll start with uh, Liz this time. Uh, who who did you expect to come out on top in the AL for Rookie of the Year? How could they not? How could yeah? How could they not vote for Otani? I mean, really, when when has when has baseball? When has the MLB ever seen a player that consistently pitches? And, you know, DHs, you know, when, when has that ever happened? It's, it's, it's never happened. Like he had, I was, I was trying to look at his numbers and things and, uh, he had 20 home runs, 50 Ks and nine stolen bases. And I saw some stat that said something like, uh, uh, in his rookie year, he only stole one less base than Mike Trout. In fact, in a lot of the things I was looking at, Mike Trout is definitely like, he's, he's always the compare like people are always comparing everything to him and in fact he was second in MVP like I feel so bad for him that he's stuck on a team like the Angels I really really hope they do something if if he continues to stay with them beyond his contract I think he maybe has like two years or something left I'm not quite sure but to see him never win a championship will be a sad thing but uh but how could they not vote for him I mean he was just so interesting such the story and uh, I mean, these are writers that vote. I mean, so uh, so even though even though Andahar, you know, got got more home runs, uh, I don't feel like that made him more valuable. You know, at that point, you know, as a rookie, I feel like Otani had a greater impact on his team. Even though, unfortunately, just like with Trout, it was for not since he's on the Angels. Well, the thing with Otani is that he chose the Angels, so <laughs> I have zero sympathy for that because he came out um, at the time of the posting fee and said, I don't want to play for the Yankees. I don't want to play for the Red Sox. And then I think a week later he took the step of saying, I don't want to play on the East Coast. So, sure. listen, you're look, Otani is soft as, like, toilet paper, and I, I don't have a problem with that, like, you know, because he was unapologetic about it. Like, he wants to get paid. Um, he wants to clearly play baseball. He loves the game. But he chose the Angels. So him and the Angels just, you know, in my mind, just deserve each other. Along now, with together. that, <laughs> yeah, with that, with, you know, with that said, Miguel Andahar and Glyber Torres, get the hell out of here with that. I'm sorry. Otani is your rookie of the year. He's the most dynamic player in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's, he can't be the MVP because he didn't stay healthy on the mound and he wasn't so dominant that he would enter that discussion. Um, but he, of the rookies, I mean, like, seriously, get out of here with, with, (laughs) with, with Andahar and Torres. So, um, you know, I, I think to me, like, this is actually the most tied with the AL MVP. This is probably the most clear cut, like, award um and then to touch on the nl i don't really have like walker bueller was third um yeah i I don't i just don't see that soto ronald acuna jr could have gone either way for me um those guys were both um absolute 
studs, power hitters on good teams, or at least we thought the Nationals were going to be a good team. Um, you know, anytime you you know you, you can't say that Atlanta arrived earlier than expected, and then not look at the rookies that you didn't expect to be on the team, and that's the perfect reason why Ronald Acuna, in my mind, should have been the uh, NL Rookie of the Year. Um, and so I can't say with Brian Snitker that you know, you know, they arrived early and then not give credit to the fact that they had this stud rookie that had a huge impact. Uh, so to me, I have no issue with the voting on these um, on this. For whatever reason, again, like the old people that like shake their hand when the you know at the cloud that blocks the sun for like ten seconds, you know, for whatever reason, I'm hearing online that people have a problem with Otani winning rookie of the year because, you know, he's quote unquote two, two players in one, like go play pinochle and shuffleboard down at <laughs> Del Boca Vista phase two with Morty Seinfeld and get the hell out of here because you're, you're attempting to hold the game of baseball back. This is a revolutionary baseball player. Now, is he soft? Is he toilet paper soft, and did he pick like a soft landing point with L.A. when, when contenders wanted him? Yeah, and there's no question about it. He he basically admitted as such. But don't, just get out of here that he's not the AL Rookie of the Year. Who wouldn't want to be in L.A.? Not L.A. like the team, but L.A. like the area. Aside from that, it's on fire right now. Um, yeah, I mean, well, that... who who wouldn't want to be in sunshine and palm, tree, palm trees? I want to be there. But I don't. Well, L- 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 not stinks. But uh, I love Southern California. So, getting into the um, getting into the National League, I, I was kind of stunned how close Acuna and Soto's numbers really were. I mean, you got Acuna twenty six home runs, sixty six RBIs. Soto twenty two home runs, seventy RBIs. Their batting average is literally only one point apart. Uh, Soto is interestingly 40 points above Acuna in the um, on-base percentage, uh, but Acuna does have a better uh, slugging percentage. You know, but it, it balances out because their OPS ends up to be pretty even as well. Acuna stole 11 more bases uh, than Soto did. But, I mean, the impressive thing about Soto was he was 19 uh, to start the year. And I think Harper was 18, you know, with the same club. So um, I, I just feel like Acuna might have uh, got the nod because his team got into the postseason and he was a big part of it. And he had, like, the minor league hype, you know, the pedigree. I mean... I forget exactly when he got called up, but you know, there people were clamoring for it, much like in Toronto, they were clamoring for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to make his debut, and he's obviously the best, uh, you know, minor leaguer, best prospect in all of MLB. But Acuna's hype was was similar, and you know, he. He came up, he lived up to the hype, and 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 helped his team get into the playoffs. So I, I think that kind of pushed him over the top there. And uh, with Otani, he lived up to the hype as well. I mean, I the whole off season leading up to that, we knew he was coming. We knew we knew this was going to be the year 
he made his major league debut. And I kept saying the whole time, I'm like, he's either going to be a pitcher or he's going to be a hitter. There is no way he is going to succeed at both. And he hit uh, 22 home runs, 61 RBIs. I don't even know if Ben Benintendi got that high. He, he fell off a cliff. But um, just really robust for, for a rookie. Uh, you know, hit 285. His OBP was was pretty healthy at 361. But then when you go to the pitching side of things, he started 10 games, which is uh, what Red Sox fans might know as as a Buckholtz sample size. And uh, <laughs> but did have a 3.31 ERA. And he is going to have Tommy John, so he'll mostly. Uh, or probably entirely DH next year, and then maybe in 2020 we'll return to the mound. But it, it hasn't been done since Babe Ruth, and uh, TVs and airplanes weren't really flying back then. I I forget <laughs> I forget when the Wright brothers, uh, you know, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure airplanes were invented by then. But uh, okay, <laughs> look, I. I uh, you know, actually, now that I think about it, I'm not quite so sure. Uh, so it might have been it might have been there. like six or eight years before, but still, so many things hadn't. So many things were not a thing yet. You know, when when Babe Ruth was doing it, and then little did we know, a kid from Japan would be the next guy to uh, do it and kind of take the league by storm. So. Um, I, I don't have a problem. I'll wrap my part of it up by saying I, I don't have a problem with uh, either Rookie of the Year. Fun fact, December 17, 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright um, okay. were the first at flight. So I was just, way off. Just a little fun <laughs> fact. Now, um, Terry, uh, this again is one of those rare circumstances where – we all seemingly agree. The the thing where with awards, and again, I hate awards. Like to me, it's just like you're taking team team sports and then trying to make them into something they're not intended to be, which is an individual thing. The difference between, and you made a great point, and as you were speaking, I had uh, Ronald Acuna's and uh, Juan Soto's stats up. They are very similar. The difference is. Um, Soto was on a team that actually had a ton of talent and they underachieved and Ronald Acuna Jr. was on a team that really ex- was expected to probably be you know somewhere below 500 and in, in large part due to his emergence they went went ahead and made the playoffs and I think that's a huge factor because again I still think even though awards are individual they should be based on the effect of the larger you know, component, which of course in team sports is the team. So that's why I think he won. Uh, it's why I agree with the award. Uh, to me, again, the pitching I, was underwhelming. He got hurt, but Otani just—I'm sorry—he's—he's he's a revolutionary talent in the game of baseball. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit—I agree that he was the rookie of the year, but for reasons I've already discussed about the problem with the voting process. I'm surprised that he was for as revolutionary as he is. I'm surprised that he, the, the voting went the way it did here. Um, so that's my last thoughts. I'm ready to move on and I'll defer to Liz for her last thoughts. Oh no, that that's pretty much my last thoughts too. Definitely impact. I feel like does make a difference. 
Um, because, I mean, like you said, it is about the team. I mean, one player can't do anything. I'll defer to Mike Trout for that. Uh, you know, clearly he's he's always made an impact, but, uh, you know, one player can't can't win it. You know, so uh, so it is about how much they he that that one player makes the team team better, and um, and Acuna definitely you know he he did that so so no I I totally agree too and I also agree that the Nationals underachieved. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they always no one do. can dispute that. So um, I'm going to take my opportunity first chance at the AL and NL Cy Young Award, Terry. All right, I like it. I like it. Um, I'm just let's we'll just start with National League because no pitcher in Major League Baseball was better than Jake Degrom this year. And one writer out of San Diego uh, picked Scherzer for the National League. Literally, the other 29 uh, went for Degrom, and he's always he's shown the talent. You know, he's had some injuries uh, in previous seasons, uh, 2017 especially, but he had a 10 war, uh, his ERA one seven zero, and he started either 33 or 34 starts. So to have an ERA that far under two is just absolutely impressive. 217 innings pitched with a uh, .91 whip, which actually did tie uh, Scherzer in that category, and uh, 269 strikeouts for DeGrom I mean easily the best pitcher in baseball and and probably the least interesting award you know throughout all of them because it was just such a blowout in this case and uh and then American League I thought uh Snell should win it you know and and he came out of nowhere I I don't think anybody predicted that I'd say Porcello was a longer shot just because he sucked a lot more before he won it, but uh, Snell, you know, very, you know, his his ascension was was very steady, and then this year he just kind of emerged as a bona fide ace, and uh, you know, one eight nine ERA, not that many innings pitched because of the the management style of um, Kevin Cash, as well as uh, some time on the DL, but. Um, really impressive. And one thing I, I want to say about Verlander, his stats were better than his career average. I mean, his uh, ERA 2.2, uh, no, excuse me, 2.52. And his I think his career ERA is 3.38. So he was significantly better than, um, you know, his career average. But what really impressed me about Verlander 35 years old, and I think he turns 36 uh, any day now, and he had 290 strikeouts, almost almost hit 300. For a guy his age, extremely impressive, but I uh, I think Snell was, uh, was the clear-cut winner, so those are my thoughts. Uh, I'm hosting now, Liz. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, Liz, your thoughts, please. I mean, clearly, if if Snell didn't win this, I was really gonna think the Rays were getting like blackballed in some way, <laughs> which really wouldn't surprise me because, again, pretty much we get shit on by everyone. 
so, uh, but but numbers don't lie. I mean, at least that. And Snell clearly had an impact on the team. If we want to go back, you know, to that, he he helped us win. You know, we knew pretty much like maybe we didn't win. Uh, clearly, we didn't win every outing. You know that he had, but we had a really really good shot at doing it. And uh, even though his innings pitch were, you know, uh, I think about thirty five or, or so less uh, than Verlander. Uh, he still he still would typically you know go out and have at least five if not six or seven uh, you know something like that uh, you know every you know every game and he he always stayed so calm he when he first uh, came up from the minors like everybody had such great expectation we thought he was gonna be hot straight out the gate and so it's been I think this is his third season he's he pitched half and then last year was his first full season with us. And we were all just, like, as fans, just sitting there, like, waiting, waiting for Snell to, to be who he, who he, you know, who we were told he was. And this year, he finally, he finally proved it. So, uh, so I feel, I feel like he really deserved it. Uh, Verlander is awesome. You know, he's definitely, a, you know, a first round, you know, Hall of Famer. But, uh, but I mean, he, uh, Snell just got it done this year. And, and he, and he had the greatest impact on his team. And that's kind of that's what it comes down to for me. Plus, he's a lefty, so so I mean that on top of it. I mean that's for some reason it's more difficult for for lefties to win the Cy Young. I have no idea why, but um, but it um, or at least that's my understanding. Maybe I'm wrong in that respect, but um, but they just win it win it less. So uh, so that that was awesome. But uh, when I was looking at Degrom, it it's really unfortunate that such a good pitcher, and I'm glad that that people don't just look at wins because to look at his wins, I mean, he only has 10 wins, but his team sucks. So, I mean, what do you expect? Like, I'm glad that, you know, there's more numbers there to, to look at. I really hate that wins are even in like a category because they don't really matter. You know, they, they kind of matter. They're a nice number to look at, but, but really what matters is that ERA and, uh, and the strikeouts. Like to me, that's, that's, those are the two main things that, that need to be looked at. And, um, uh, Scherzer's amazing, but but Degrom was definitely a clear number one just based on those things. Yeah, uh, Liz, um, I like a lot of your commentary there. Um, to me, the three most important stats are for a starting pitcher are game started, innings, and then you know WHIP slash ERA. That to me is, you know, again, the best ability is availability. So games pitched, how 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 much, how, you know, and how often can you go out and give a quality start? Innings, uh, innings are just so important, um, especially during the regular season when it's all about, you know, bullpen and roster management through the season. And then whip and ERA, you know, whip because how, like for example, with the Red Sox, we talk about Craig Kimball, like that guy loves putting people on base like that he it's like it it, it, it it like he gets excited to walk the leadoff hitter <laughs> guys like snell who have like in this year he had a 0.97 whip like jesus christ that's impressive so it's like low stress innings it's it's a lot of one two three innings it's a lot of work in that and what that does is that, that then allows it kicks back to the second most important thing which is innings pitched Gets deep in games, and then ERA. He has he's sub two. He's a one point eight nine. Um, to me, it was just a complete no brainer. Verlander, you're awesome. You are a first ballot Hall of Famer. 
you're dating or married to Kate Upton. So, like, you've got enough <laughs> good things going for you. So just get the hell out of here with the uh, another award. Um, but in, in all joking aside, to me, it was Blake Snell. I never even thought twice about it. And when I got the ESPN alert on my phone that it was Blake Snell, I just, like, quickly dismissed it. Like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, just as a little aside, he had a 4.04. ERA last year with a 1.33 whip. So huge, huge turnaround for this guy. Um, and again, to just briefly touch on the AL manager of the year, uh, not voted correctly, Kevin Cash. You got to think that that guy's ability to motivate a roster had a factor in getting the most out of this guy. To the NL, it's so clearly Jake DeGrom, it's sickening. Like, and by the way, if you're a, if you are a member, if you're an active member of the New York Mets, you should be ashamed of yourself. You are the ass clown program of Major League Baseball. And the fact that this guy had the team success he had and was still so clearly the NL Cy Young just speaks to the volume of how pathetic that whole program is. Uh, Jake DeGrom, clear-cut winner, nasty. 100% just filthy stuff. Like, I love watching that guy pitch, compete. Um, it's amazing that they couldn't find a positive on the days he started, that they could only find that positive 10 times or whatever it was. It's pathetic. Um, you know, on some on some level, like, you know, and, that, and, and it, it's amazing because three years ago, they had Harvey and they had uh, Mats and, and DeGrom and Thor and they had all these guys and DeGrom has risen to the top of that, you know, group and that, that, that whole franchise just is, is just so pathetic. So um, to me, it's just a no-brainer. Max Scherzer, and again, probably another first bet, well, not probably, another first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Aaron Nola, uh, absolute stud. Uh, Freeland uh, was fourth. Corbin finished fifth. He's going to make a ton of money in free agency. Um, just brings me to my last point, and it's really not directly on point for what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast, but Snell and DeGrom, both guys making $0 by you know top flight standards. Both guys who just won a significant award. Both guys who are going to price themselves out of their respective teams. Both guys I won in the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Another another Ray for, for you guys to hate on when he's not going to perform up to standard, I'm sure. But uh, but Snell, is he's a real quiet, demure person. I remember uh, when I was in the, in the clubhouse and, you know, you do those obligatory things where you've all got your phones on record and you're shoving them in the faces of the players while the major, well, I say major loosely, while the bigger media people are asking, uh, asking the players questions. And, of course, we could, but... Uh, I just could never think of anything that seemed important enough, you know, to ask. But uh, he was, he's so soft-spoken and quiet and calm, and I really feel like that attitude is really kind of what what helped him. Like, he probably worked on a lot of stuff, but the biggest, uh, one of the biggest criticisms that I know Terry has against against Price, just to compare him to him, is just how emotional he gets in his tells. You know, where Blake Snell is just, Calm cool. and cool, cool as a cucumber. He he doesn't he doesn't show any of that. He just goes out there, does his thing, walks off, he's done. You know, kind of a deal. So 
fingers crossed he doesn't go to the Yankees or you guys, but uh, he certainly won't be staying with us. I can tell you that right now. Unless, uh, unless for some strange reason, uh, Sternberg ends up loosening the strings on his on his purse or something. I'm not sure, but I or, seriously doubt that's happening. Or a new stadium. How, how you keep him as he goes back next year to a 4.4 pitcher and loses the value, and that's how you keep him. Because otherwise, if he if this is what he's going to be, he's going to a big market club. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, even if that happens, I feel like they'll trade him anyway. Uh, just like we traded away pretty much every single pitcher. Like, we got rid of Odorizzi. I don't even know what he did this year with the Twins. Uh, Cobb, and obviously Cobb is a complete piece of shit now, basically, after Tommy John. Um, who else did we get rid of? Uh, Archer. Archer just was mediocre at best, you know, with the Pirates, although I feel like whenever a pitcher changes leagues, they, they need at least half a season, if not more than that to settle in and get used to the to the subtle differences of the hitters and you know just the environment and everything like that but um but uh it, it i still think no no matter what no matter what he's gone like that that's pretty much my view <laughs> with with any player that we have you know we if we're lucky enough to sign him for any for any amount of time great but then after that you know uh, another team's going to snipe him or we're going to trade him before that so that's just that's the story of my life you know Couple uh, interesting fan, anyway. things before we uh, get into the last category. Um, Degrom, you know, wins it this year with the Mets, 2018. R.A. Dickey won it not all that long ago, 2012, also with the Mets uh, as a knuckleballer. And Jeremy, you you know make the point that that organization is you know a dumpster fire organization, and they didn't you know they didn't step up like Degrom did and. I, I always say that the Mets, the Marlins, and the Angels are the three worst franchises in MLB, and here two of them are, you know, one with DeGrom getting a, a major award, and then another one with Otani. So we're rewarding the, the bad kids in a way, you know, the, the kids being the teams and not the, uh, you know, the award winners. Well, maybe, but... maybe a part of it, Terry if you're going to put it that way, is what they overcame within their own program to do what they did individually. Yeah, I take nothing away from the player, but I, I just, I, I hate to see, you know, the Mets, you know, get any glory from it, you know, because they're just so bad. But but they do have a like, new front office, so maybe it'll change. Well, and I, I feel like uh, the Angels might actually be interesting, even though I don't think they have a manager at this point, not that I've noticed i haven't really been diligently been paying attention but they, uh, they do it'll be oh they do they do have one brad Osmus. Uh, it'll be interesting to see to see what happens yeah and it, the, their problem too is the owner's kind of like jerry jones is with the cowboys the owner just has a little bit too much say you know uh, when it comes to building the roster when he should be letting the uh, general manager make the decisions. Kind of like, or you could kind of compare it to the Lucchino situation where, you know, they really should have just let Epstein do his thing. And then the same with uh, Ben Sherrington, who was a finalist in, I think, uh, Baltimore, by the way, which is interesting. But they went with the uh, Astros uh, executive but um, and and it is Brad Osmus, the former Tigers manager, that will uh, will be managing the 
angels, yeah. And apparently, uh, Osmus was a little too uh, lenient with the players and was kind of like one of them and, you know, didn't lead very effectively. So it's it's extremely fitting that he's going to go try to uh, lead a dumpster fire organization in <laughs> Anaheim. But, yeah, so, uh, Liz, how about you host the MVP part? We've all kind of done this. So why, why don't you set us up for that? Uh, I mean, I feel like, at least for the AL, the MVP, you know, was, was pretty clear to uh, to all of us. And, you know, even though, I mean, time and time again, we've said awards, you know, don't matter necessarily. But uh, but it went in the Red Sox' favor um, and everything. So, I mean, I mean it. Obviously, you guys have to feel amazing. So, me asking you your thoughts, you know about uh, you know about Mookie winning is uh, like, thing. But how do you feel about NL? I guess like about the choice with the NL because clearly AL like that's pretty much a given. But well, I'd actually like to comment, especially on your choice of words there, Liz. You said it <laughs> went in the Red Sox favor. Respectfully, I disagree. Um, Mookie Betts is now going to be the next. Probably three hundred million dollar ten year player. Mm. That that's not in the favor of the Boston Red Sox. Like uh, I really was hoping for. This is the one award I cared about because I wanted Mookie to lose it. Um, <laughs> and, and because, like again, I don't care about like you know Mookie gets a a fancy award to put on his mantle. Fine, whatever. Put him up next to all the bowling trophies he has. Um. He is, he is, it's starting to concern me that this guy is not going to be a Boston Red Sox. Um, you're right completely that there, this is a no, no doubter. So I don't, I'm not going to put any discussion into the other people. Here's what I'm going to put into. I just want to put into a little bit of context the year he had. Okay. According to baseballreference.com, he has uh, tied with Ted Williams in 1946 the number 21 highest war year in the history of major league baseball now you're going to say well 21st well jeremy that's not really historical well let me just put it this way except for barry bonds in 01 and 02 and i think it's cal ripken in 1991 there hasn't been a higher rated player since the 60s and and by the way like eight of the first 12 seasons are all Babe Ruth. So if you take Babe Ruth out, Bonds out, and Ripken out, it's like he's approaching like the fourth or fifth best year of all time. So it's crazy when you think about the fact that he's been ahead of all of those Trout years. Um, he's ahead of guys. Uh, he's ahead of other Barry Bonds years, like Barry Bonds' 04 year, uh, Willie Mays, Ted Williams, Jimmy Fox, Mickey Mantle. I mean, if you look at the list I'm looking at it, and put it in perspective, there's no debate. He was the MVP. It's just really, really special what he did. And at the end, us Red Sox fans are fucked because he's probably not going to end up being a Red Sox. Get into the NL. Um, Kristen Yelich, this is a great example of the M MVP not being the best player. Kristen Yelich is not the best player in, 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 in the um, – National League. I actually think Mookie and Trout are now kind of neck and neck. I think they're both like kind of co-best players in the American League. Christian Yelich is not the best player in the National League. He was the most valuable. Um, I don't disagree with that. Um, 
when you look at the top five vote getters in the American League versus the NL, I think this is a prime example of what I was talking about earlier with just the 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 dichotomy between the talent in the two leagues. AL MVP in order: Betts, Trout, Jose Ramirez with Cleveland, JD Martinez, and Alex Bregman, who, by the way, is just to me just an absolute gamer. NL: Kristen Yelich, Javier Baez, Nolan Arenado, Freddie Freeman, and Jacob Degrom. To me, it's just not even close. The AL is just so far superior with talent. Uh, I have no objection to Christian Yelich winning the NL uh, MVP. I don't think he's the best player in the National League. I like Nolan Arenado better. Um, there are other better players to me. Um, but I think the voting wound up being correct here. Um, you know, unfortunately, because I wanted bets to lose. <laughs> You really don't think the Red Sox will put out the money for Beth? No, I do think they're going to put out a significant amount of money. And, um, I mean, we're the Boston Red Sox, right? Like, I know, we, we, exactly. So, so, for you to but, tell me but Liz, that the price down no, the no. market is insane. Yeah, no, I mean, the double rays have no shot. But the problem <laughs> be, the problem becomes... Maybe when, he, maybe when he's 40 in his last year, we'll get him as a DH <laughs> or something. Yeah, exactly. He has to like throw left-handed because his right arm's been thrown out, so he's like only yeah. a million-dollar-a-year guy. Now he becomes a double ray in 2052. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, look, I, I, I don't... I, you know, And I'm not making fun of the double rays. Um, I understand that they have to do more with less. And, and being and now living in South Florida... Uh, I understand that that market stinks. I understand my sister lives in Tampa. Um, I, I do get, you know, look, it's going to be really, really hard for that team to ever be more than what it is right now while it's in Tropicana Field in, in that, you know, Hillsborough uh, County or whatever the county it's Pinella. in over there. Pinellas, Pinella, whatever. Mm-hmm. Difference without a distinction. Um, so if you're not... Um, if you're not picking up on what I'm saying there, I'm shitting on that area. Um, so it, it's just it, like they're doing uh, and like, again, that's why I think Kevin Cash is the clear cut AL manager. Like, you know, all of this ties together. Right. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I just don't think Betts. I think. And here's what scares me. I think Mookie Betts is going to go get the most money. And if you line up five teams and the Red Sox are third, he's not going to take that discount to go to Boston. I just, and I don't know, you know, Terry maybe way in here, but or Liz, you too. But I, to me, it just seems like Mookie's always going to go to the highest bidder. And now that he's won an MVP, that bid goes up a little bit. Tell me what player doesn't usually do that, though. And, and I didn't even realize until I uh, it was probably the last show I was on, which was a while ago. So forgive me, I don't remember. But Terry was saying how. One of the main reasons why Price came to the Sox was because he was basically pressured, I guess, into making that decision by the players' union. Because if a player, if a high-price uh, free agent, you know, takes less money, then that does nothing but hurt future free agents. So players are pressured into doing it. Like I kind of see it differently after hearing that, and it totally makes sense. It just keeps driving the market. That's that's like capitalism in baseball terms, you know, basically. The, the uh, Players Association has a say. Now, it's up to the athlete about how much of a say they have. But the Players Association is always going to advocate for the for – it's, like it's like a real estate agent selling houses. Like, you know, 
They want to sell the house next door and then they want to sell the house next door for more. Mm-hmm. And if you take a dip on the first house, then you're not going to sell the second house for the same amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with the asset being an athlete. You're going to have the situation where you have a guy like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, the latter of which is an absolute D-bag. And, and you're going to want to take the top off the market so that when Mookie Betts comes around in two years, he gets, you know, what, 8% more, 10% more, 12% more. And it's just going to continue to drive the price up because – how does the ba- the players association, um, you know, justify what they're doing, the fees they're taking from the players, and and you know, and that sort of thing? They justify it by saying, we're having effect on player salaries. We're we're affecting benefits. We're affecting salary. And ultimately, we are, uh, as a result of their efforts, making you know more money for the player. So that's that's to me that's how it is. It's like it's like it's and it's honestly it's not any difference than the teachers union or whatever else. And I don't want to get the no. union thing, but 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 it but it's important to the union to mm-hmm. have each player make more than the last. And when you have a transcendent player like Bryce Harper, like Mookie Betts, um, you're putting you know you the players association is going to put pressure. Now there are guys that have taken less. Uh, Terry's going to eviscerate me here if I'm wrong, but I remember uh, Mike Lowell. If I, again, I'm waiting for Terry to yell at me here. I think Mike Lowell was one of those guys who said, "Like I'm, I want to be a Boston Red Sox, so just stop it, just get get a fair contract, and let's move on." Um, and there have been other guys. I, I think when Kurt Schilling resigned, not the year for eight million that he actually didn't play, but the first time, I think he was also like willing to just take what he could from the Red Sox and stay a Red Sox. So, there are examples of it not working out for the Players Association. But generally speaking, uh, and and by the way, you know, and I probably would be this way if I was that talented. I probably would take the most dollars. So I don't blame the athlete. I just hope for the sake of the Boston Red Sox, he's willing to stay a Boston Red Sox, even if it means taking a little bit less. Mike Lowe, uh, you know, might have taken a slight discount, but he was 34 years old, I believe, at the time that he signed that. So that's not going to be really a guy that the the players' union is going to, like, hold a gun to his head and say, no, you need to go play for this team for six or seven million dollars more, you know, overall. Uh, You know, it's far different with the, you know, the A-list free agents that you know we're kind of watching in this market and another guy you know not quite similar to Lil, but Mitch Moreland took less money in 2017 to play for the Red Sox the Indians offered him more but he took a little bit less money to play for us because he wanted to play 81 games a year at Fenway Park that was important to him so the the dynamics are a little bit finicky and David Price, I, I don't think the union necessarily held a gun to his head to get him to sign with the Red Sox. The Red Sox offered one more year than what the Cardinals did. The money was about the same annually, but um, but once the extra year came up, I think Price just knew, you know, he had to do it, you know, and he had to go to Boston and have that awkward, you know, makeup with David Ortiz. But um, with you know, with Bryce Harper, and also there's another difference too, like, I don't know, I don't know that the union is necessarily 
pressuring Mookie Betts to go all the way to free agency when that's three or four years out. Like, if he's offered 200 something million and, and maybe in the mid to upper half of that, I'd be surprised if the union said, you know what, don't take that because. He's gonna. He's just gonna hit free agency four years sooner on the other end, and then maybe be in line not for a contract that size, but still a nice chunk of change. So to me, it's extremely disappointing that Mookie wouldn't even come to the table. He's two seasons away from testing the market now, and you know, so there's no point in really negotiating now. He's that close, but. It was profoundly disappointing to me that that there couldn't be more dialogue. And I don't think the Red Sox initial extension offer was really that overwhelming anyway. But had they approached it the right way, I just I don't know that Mookie would have came to the table. And if he if his number starts with a three, and I don't know why it wouldn't, I'm not going to be interested. I'm really not. And. You, you know oh, that Terry, get the fuck out of here with that please <laughs> no he's a transcendent player he's proven it in this city he just won an mvp he just won a world series get out of here with that and i you know i love to disagree with you so but i do truly this is not smoke and mirrors this is not um this is not uh, uh posturing this is you know, seriously this this guy is a once first of all he's a point guard athletically in the nba playing right field at Fenway Park. He is an absolute electric factory. He hits for power. He hits for average. He hits to right field. He hits to left field. He runs the bases. He has an elite throwing arm. He's an elite defensive player who just wanted to think his second or third Cy Young. Like, if there's ever a guy who, and by the way, you already know he can succeed in the city. If there's ever a guy that should be worth $300 million to the Boston Red Sox, this is the guy. All right, here's where I'm going to disagree with you, Jeremy, and, and you're going you're gonna to let me get it all out here, okay? Every roster has to have balance. Bryce Harper isn't worth $300 million to me. He's a, he's a piece of shit. He's a clubhouse cancer, and I, I'm just not going to sign a player. I'm not going to jam my roster with that kind of payroll. I want it balanced. I'd rather take... I'd rather just take three. You could get three 3,100 guys probably for, or at least two of them, for probably what Mookie is going to make. And then you can get one of the best closers in the game for that same exact value. And that's what I'm going to do. I, I don't care. I'm going to be responsible. I don't give a flying fuck how good of a generational talent Mookie Betts is. When it came to October, his batting average slipped to uh, 226. That's his lifetime average in the month of October, which is now a pretty healthy fucking sample size. So I don't, I don't give a fuck what your perception is. I'm not, I'm not interested in that kind of, in that kind of payroll. I'm just not. And this is the only the second time in the history of the World Series it ever got won with a player making over two hundred million. It, it doesn't happen often, so I just the Cleveland Indians have a great offense. They just weren't they just weren't great in in other areas. I mean, 
Francisco Lindor tied him with 129 runs scored, and his his average wasn't quite as good. But you know, I'll you know I'll just I'll take. You know, I'll take my my young prospects, and I'll just take. I you know I'm I'm drawing blanks now because I, I didn't think I, I was gonna get that amped up, but I'm just Liz, not. I, I'm not gonna do it. I know that Liz, was intense. That Liz, was that intense. was that I have elicited a form of Terry that I have not seen before. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, you know, Terry. Look, obviously, your those comments are directed directly at me. So, if, Liz, if you don't mind, I'd just like to respond to them. Oh no, please go for it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting back. <laughs> I cannot comment. I, I, on by the way, I, I absolutely love a good debate, and I love when people disagree with me because I think it's the it, it, it creates the best content. And I and I think that both Terry and I here are not we're not making up how we feel. And to me. With it being authentic, uh, it creates a really good kind of dynamic here. Um, and also, that's the most I've heard Terry swear in like 25 episodes or whatever. So I'm just all sorts of I'm all sorts of excited about it right now. Uh, Terry, I started my comment by saying I don't think I think bets by winning the MVP has an effect on pricing himself out of Boston. And and frankly speaking, I think that. If it's Dombrowski still at the time that Mookie comes to free agency, I think the the chances are higher that he resigns in Boston than whoever comes next because they're going to counteract Dombrowski's uh, fly by the seat of his pants approach with more of a uh, analytical um, approach. Uh, and that at that position now it probably won't be president of bas- uh, baseball operations like it is Dombrowski, but they're going to go back to like the Charrington type guy who's who relies more on analytics. And if that happens, then there's no chance bet signs, none, zero, because they're going to agree with you. And I don't, I don't vehemently disagree with you. My comment was more directed to the fact that there's no chance he's going to sign because I do think there's a chance he signs. And I think if there is a player worth $300 million, this is the guy. He's a five tool guy. He's an electric factory, great smile, good looking, marketable. All the things we've talked about in the last two to three podcasts, as we've been going through the, the top free agents in major league baseball. So, um, your, your approach is analytical. It's financially fiscal and responsible. And I'm using a couple buzzwords I'm not typically using, but I get it. Um, I just think that if there is that guy that you can go to and say, we're willing to extend beyond what we find is, quote unquote, financially responsible, this is the guy. The second factor in why I feel that way is because by the time that Mookie becomes a free agent, Pablo Sandoval will be off the books. All these shitty contracts related to people that don't play for the Boston Red Sox will be free and clear. They won't have a ton of money extended because the guys you're talking about signing this year, Avaldi, Kelly, Kimbrell, who I don't think is going to sign. There's no chance he's going to sign. These are two- to three-year contracts with maybe a fourth-year option. And we've talked extensively about it, so I'm not going to go further than I need to. I don't. I think there's going to be plenty of money available. 
Um, I think the term is is going to be a problem. Like ten years is a really big problem because you're 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 almost getting past the current TV deal into a, into a realm that you, you, there's too much unknown in any ten year deal. And so again, getting back to my initial comment, um, do I think Betts is going to be a Red Sox in four in three or four years? No, I don't. I think he's priced himself out of Boston. I think there's a team that is going to become so financially irresponsible that they will give him some crazy deal that I don't think the Red Sox are going to do. And if I'm speaking on behalf of Terry, I don't think they're going to do. I'm just saying that if there's one guy that's worth it, because I think he's better than Bryce Harper. I don't think there's any question that he's better than Manny Machado, especially marketability-wise, because Manny Machado is an absolute dirtbag. Mookie's a clean player, great image great off the field and so that just a point of clarification and do i take any of what i said back no because we got a great great response out of terry in my opinion i mean go back to 2013 and and we do kind of live in a different world than we we lived in only five years ago but mike napoli shane victorino johnny gomes those were perfect acquisitions when you consider the fact that we had ortiz we still, well, that was Ellsbury's last year, but going into that season, we still look pretty good. Pedroia, still very good. They, those were the perfect guys who could come in, do a bit of damage, and just kind of complement the rest of the roster. We're going to have Devers for a while. I'm a big Devers guy. I think he's going to be a force. We still got Ben Benintendi for another four years. Um, I think Bradley's going to be here. I know he's a Boris guy, but he's not going to command a huge haul being a career 240 guy, you know. So I think he's probably a long-term guy with the Red Sox. But I'm still not interested, you know. If Mookie was a free agent this year and we were losing him, go get go get Michael Brantley. Go get uh, a Charlie Blackman type guy. Go get. Um, I got the. I got the list. Oop! Locked my microphone over. I got the list up here. Go. Go find another JD Martinez contract for Christ's sakes. I mean, if if Martinez was a free agent this year and Mookie was, give me Martinez. He's gonna be more affordable. He's gonna do just as much damage. It's been a big talking point all week long that he wasn't an MVP finalist. I'm all about fiscal responsibility. The one aspect of the team that I'm willing to spend more money on is actually pitching. You know, and I know sales coming up, and and that's probably a a, a topic for another show. But I'm going to be all in on Bumgarner because I feel that he's going to be healthy. Over the course of a full season, I don't trust sales durability at all, and I'll I'll pay market value for a Madison Bumgarner guy to come in here with David Price. I'm assuming probably Rick Porcello since he'll be affordable. Still have Rodriguez. Say what you want about him, but there's still some potential there. And then you you can go get you know. I hate to say Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb, but you can go get another solid, affordable, middle-of-the-rotation guy, you know, and and have an extremely solid rotation. Bullpen guys are affordable. We could could bring back Craig Kimbrell, but, I mean, he's trending downward, so we're just not going to do it. But, though, you got to... 
spread it out over the full team and 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 have balance and so I'm never gonna I'm never gonna advocate for a three hundred million dollar player at least for like the next ten years. the The luxury tax went from one ninety seven to two oh six. So when that hits like two thirty two forty, then okay, a thirty million dollar guy a year is probably the equivalence of a twenty or twenty two million dollar guy in today's value. So and I mean and just. For shits, I mean, Manny Ramirez in 2001 got an eight-year, $160 million deal. That's a huge contract, you know, 18 years later coming into, you know, 2019. So I guess it's impossible to predict the market, but I'm always going to be, maybe that's the Republican in me, you know, and I'm a libertarian just for the record, but I I just want it to be balanced and... We, we won three World Series at least, you know, without having a massive contract on the books. And that that's, I, I think that's the right way. I mean, the Cubs, they had Hayward. That's a stupid contract. But other than that, they had their one high-priced guy, John Lester, you know, and, and they won the World Series. Astros won it last year without any huge contracts if you factor in. You know they're only paying twenty million of Verlander's salary, so well done there. You know, really smart front office. The Royals, I mean, who knows how the fuck they did it, but they did, and <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna see that again for the next twenty years. But whatever. The Giants haven't had. Well, I guess they've been a top five or six payroll team, but but you can. You can be smart. Bryce Harper might never win a World Series. Mike Mike Trout, if he stays in L.A., might never win a World Series. And, uh, you know, that, that's how I feel about it. And, and we're probably going to remain fairly far apart on that. But I just I just wanted to be clear on, on where I stood. Well, I think you're very clear. Um, and I, okay, a couple things. To be very clear, my first comment, and I'm going to re-listen to this podcast. My first comment was, I do think he's priced himself out of Boston. So I've already said that I don't think they're going to spend the money. My comment was that if there's one guy in baseball not named Mike Trout, this is the guy. Now, what I would love to see is Bryce Harper sign for six years – Hundred and eighty-five million dollars. Manny Machado signed for five years, one hundred and fifty million dollars. Because if they're gonna, if that's what happens, and the market corrects itself to to reasonable dollars, and the teams that are willing to get crazy stop getting crazy, then you know. And again, as we sit here and, and record this podcast, we don't know. But there's a chance that the market dictates a much different result than what we're hypothetically discussing here. I because again, I don't think the Boston Red Sox will go to three hundred million dollars on anybody. Even though if there's one guy to do it, it is Mookie Betts, and that's why I think there'll be a team that's crazy enough to do it. I, I'm just hopeful that starting with the J D deal, starting with some of the financially responsible decisions that Major League Baseball uh, has has done you know just across the board team by team 
uh, in the last two off seasons. I do think there's they're they're at least attempting to make a market correction. Um, so I'm hopeful that that's you know and and you know Liz, with all due respect, that doesn't change anything for the Devil Rays because they're not even going to spend in that range. Exactly. But it brings it brings the Red Sox back into the realm with which what with which Terry is talking about, which is a, a financially responsible deal for a superstar. Which, for example, what JD was, and Terry's going to eviscerate me if I'm wrong here, but I think it was five years, 150 million dollars. So, and the other thing is, um, I have Mookie's uh, contract situation up. His arbitration two year is this year. His arbitration three year is next year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, he has expressed zero desire to buy out those arbitration years and sign a long-term deal now, which, again, is one of the reasons why I don't think ultimately the Red Sox will sign him long-term. Um, but we still, the Red Sox still have full control of him for two years. And in 2020, if they're competitive, and I think we will be, he's not going anywhere. He, they're going to ride this type of talent through hopefully at least one more championship. And then he is, he is that good where you're more apt, and if you're good, the Red Sox are good, and uh, they're more apt to let him test free agency and see what happens. And hopefully at that time, there aren't any crazy teams. You know, I mean, one of the crazy teams, by the way, the Mets aren't crazy anymore. Some of these teams are, are have, have learned from their past mistakes. Uh, the Cubs, um, you know, we talked about Chris Bryant, and, and Terry just mentioned Haywood. I think there's going to be a correction where there's been so many bad, bad, big-time contracts, long-term contracts that haven't worked out that teams are just not going to do them as much anymore, and I hope that that's what, that's what I'm clinging on to as far as hopefully Mookie Betts stays in Boston. You could be right, but it, it won't be this year. Harper will get – it might be less. I mean, I think the market is shrinking by the day for Harper. I mean, there's only one national uh, – excuse me, one American League team that's even going to be in play for him, and – and the other three teams, I think, are in the you know are in the NL East. So that's not you know. So Boris is still going to try to force that big contract somehow. He's not ready to give in that you know the sport is evolving on how you know how they structure contracts. So um, so we'll we'll just see how this season goes. And as far as Mookie, you know, not playing in Boston I think it's really 50-50 at the moment and it's two years away but things can get kind of dicey you know I mean if if we're you know if we don't make the playoffs next year or if we make the playoffs but we we just suck and flounder um you know that that's not going to look great for Dombrowski. And then if we do the same exact thing in 2020, say we, we get into the ALDS, but, you know, we lose in, you know, four or five games, suddenly his seat's going to be getting a little hotter. And then maybe maybe the pressure's on. Maybe he has to sign that, that franchise player, you know, to keep the fan base from crucifying him. Not that the, the Red Sox front office is ever really you know, reacted much to, uh, you know, the the fan noise, so to speak. But um, it's a ways to go, and I think it is 50-50, and I'm, I'm definitely, you, you, are, you know where I stand. I'm not going to keep going there, but um, 
but we'll see. And I'm really fascinated to see how how this this off season plays out. If Harper only gets, say, he gets 250 million, but you know the first two or three years are between 30 and 40 million, and then the opt outs hit shortly after that, which is entirely reasonable, I think. Then maybe you know, then maybe things look a little better, you know, in, in terms of of signing Mookie. But there's when you talk about market correction, it could happen two, three, four different ways, and it's you know, it's still you know, it's still wait and see. So there's, there's way too much up in the air. I, I'm really interested to see what happens too. I couldn't believe he turned down the Nationals deal. I feel like he's the face of the franchise and everything, and I would think he would want to keep that up because he has just as good a chance of winning a championship with them, you know, pretty much as he does, you know, almost anywhere that that can afford him, uh, at least as it sits right now. But um, but it'll it'll definitely be interesting if nothing else. That's what I I pretty much say that every year being a Rays fan. It's like. I just never know what I'm walking into, you know, no matter what. So I'm forced to pay attention to uh, to a little bit of everything, I guess, in a way. But uh, he's definitely, um, he's an anomaly. Him and Machado, like, I, I don't know. I guess the, the last I saw, the Yankees were seriously interested in Machado, which will be interesting also But um, to have him back over here. But we shall see. Only time can tell on so many things. One of my favorite things that I've tweeted in, in a few different ways so far since we won is that, you know, the Red Sox didn't need Bryce Harper or Manny Machado to win this World Series. And, and in mm-hmm. fact, we won it by beating Manny Machado. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, so I, I hope he gets a terrible contract and I, I hope it it handcuffs whatever team he goes to and, and yeah. uh, and it could be the Yankees because they do have a a habit of overreacting every time the Red Sox win the World Series. And in 2014, it was Tanaka and Ellsbury that they signed right after we won it. And then in in 2008, they signed Tashira, which obviously worked okay at first because they won it in 2009. But that became an extremely painful contract, you know, by the time it ran up. So. Um, you know, if the Yankees win a World Series, I, as much as that makes me want to throw up in my mouth, you know, in the next two years, but the next six are painful after that, fine. <laughs> that's that's fine. So No, Terry, my, my favorite tweet that I've seen with you recently, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but it went something like, uh, Kate Upton is going to be pissed that Justin Verlander isn't going to be the first pitcher to win the Cy Young and also have an AARP card or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. I thought that was freaking hilarious. That was yesterday. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so but. I think we've uh, had an interesting show, and uh, I think we can just about wrap. But uh, any any final thoughts, Jeremy? Did we lose Jeremy? Uh, oh, uh, no, I don't know that I have any final thoughts, Terry. <laughs> okay. I think we're uh, – I think we've – I think we've hit the highlights, uh, and uh, you know, I look forward to the next one. Alrighty, any uh, final thoughts, Liz? Uh, yeah, no, that that's that's pretty much it for me too. I think we we went went through everything, and um, 
I'm just I'm glad you guys feel the way you do about about cash. Like honestly, because like I said before, you know I, I'm definitely not a fan, but I, I definitely feel like he got gypped, and uh, or maybe that's a horrible term I've recently heard to use. He got robbed, um, you know, of uh, of manager of the year. So hearing two Red Sox fans agree with me is pretty amazing. So thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a team right now that's up and coming, you know. But uh, they all have managers. Maybe maybe Boone gets fired and then he goes to the Yankees and you know wins it all with them. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think there's any question that Cash has set himself up to f- get the the next job that has a budget behind it. And I don't know, you know, f- for Madden it was the Cubs. Um, you know, for Core it was the Red Sox. For you know, Ausmus it was the Angels. Um, I don't think that's a great situation. Although Otani and and Trout obviously present some positives, but I do think Cash has set himself up for that next uh, contract. He's not going to go coach the the A's. He's not going to go manage the Twins. But the next big, you know, the next opportunity where he's going to have 150 million dollars to play with. I think he's that guy. I think he's just shown an incredible uh, ability to 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 win ball games with less and to be innovative. And you know, I don't like to compliment the Double Rays because I think it's also a terrible program, and I think the ownership just doesn't support that team. And oh, I think I that's one. That. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so impressed by what Kevin Cash did. Also, side note: ex Red Sox. So, a little bit of brownie points there, mm. <laughs> Terry. Uh, Love the podcast tonight. Um, really looking forward to the next one. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, pro- oh, actually, we'll talk about it. It might be pushed to Monday if that works because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Connecticut uh, for the bulk of Sunday. But we'll, we'll work that out uh, off the air. Um, Liz, uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk baseball with you. I, um, I Both times we've done this, I've had a uh, really uh, good time, and I think you do provide an awesome um, perspective, not only just being from the Rays, but having been in the clubhouse as a reporter. So uh, thank you as well. Yeah, no, thank, thank you guys for the opportunity, and uh, I enjoy it. I, I definitely uh, was happy to be back tonight. I'm sorry my schedule is a little bit, a little bit, weird i have i have a lot of social things going on which impedes impedes lots of days but i appreciate the time thank you hey hey terry i hope my schedule becomes as 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 busy as uh liz's at some point with vacations so <laughs> i only get two weeks a year but but Ooh, uh I, I have i got six or seven next year my my company is hey, very very nice to me hey hey liz keep your good times to yourself please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, guys, I'm out of here. Good night. All right. right. Bye. Have a a good night, guys. Bye. Have a good night. All right. Finally uh, got the uh, MLB awards out of the way. Winter meetings is kind of the next event, uh, if you want to call it that. I think that might be the week after uh, next. It's usually early December. Um after the Thanksgiving holiday. So uh, a lot of things could happen uh, during that week. That was when the Red Sox acquired Chris Sale 
And uh, I can't remember. Last year's market was so weird. I, I don't know how much happened uh, last year, but um, but uh, definitely could, uh, if not signings, you'll uh, probably see some trades, uh, if nothing else. So, uh, you know, uh, have a good uh, rest of your uh, week. And uh, if you're up here in the Northeast, stay safe because it is snowing. And uh, we will be back in uh, probably four or five days to do the next uh, installment of the uh, hot stove projection. So take care. Bye.